Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas Eve to all of you. Thank you so much for coming out on this very special night that we celebrate together. And I want to encourage you in the Word of God. You know, in order for Jesus to be the Savior of the world, He had to be born. And in Hebrews 10, verse 5, I was reading this this morning. It said, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, this is Jesus, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou would not. See, no longer was the old covenant going to be relevant now that Jesus had come. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Do you know that every single book of the Bible is all about Jesus? From Genesis to Revelations, you can see Jesus in every book of the Bible. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will. Oh God, above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither have pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, lo, I come to do thy will, oh God. Jesus, before the foundations of the earth, had a plan of salvation for you and I. And in order to legally do that, he had to receive a body of flesh and blood. And it's a mysterious, wonderful, miraculous story of how Jesus became a human being, God himself. And we celebrate that birth on Christmas. Now, we know he wasn't born this time of year. But one day he was born, and that's why we celebrate it tonight. So let's not for you know lose the, the true meaning of the greatest gift that God ever gave humanity, his beloved son, Jesus. And the gift keeps on giving, doesn't it? On and on and on in our hearts. So let's stand up together as the family of God, recipients of his beautiful gift, his selfless, unfathomable, indescribable love of sacrificing himself, emptying himself, uh, Philippians says, of all of heaven, everything that he had in heaven, he emptied himself of it and became like you and I. Let's celebrate and honor our Lord and King tonight together. Joy to the world, the Lord's never receive a king. Let every heart prepare him, and let nature sing with a great glad tidings. 
Father, we thank you so much for your great gift to us, the gift of life, the gift of relationship with you. Thank you for sending Jesus all those years ago. Thank you that you had a plan of redemption. Lord, that you looked into the future and you saw our day and that you made a way for us to come into relationship and fellowship with you. We're so grateful for this. Come on, just tell him thank you. Say thank you, Lord. may be seated. Who can say, God is good to me? Yes, He is. The Word says He is good to all. And so that leaves exactly nobody out. He is good to me. So we welcome all of you. Thank you for coming out and joining us tonight. And we are looking to do two things tonight. We're looking to glorify Jesus, worship Him. And we're going to do that in in various ways. And then the other thing that we're going to look to do is celebrate what He has done. And, um, you know, Christmas is not only about the birth of Jesus. It goes so much further than that so much beyond that day and so that's what we're going to in a moment we're going to read the Christmas story if I could have um, maybe maybe Josh and Alicia and uh, Jean and Kat if you guys could come and uh, they're going to pass out the communion elements maybe one one of you can take one side and the other one the other side and um, when you can just hold on to it and at the end of the Christmas story then we'll take it together So while they're passing that out, if I can uh, have your attention, and I'll read to you out of the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1 and verse 26 is where I will begin. In the sixth month, now this was the sixth month of Mary's cousin Elizabeth who was pregnant, right? So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, You are the most blessed of women. The fruit of your womb is blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. She who has believed is blessed because what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. A point of interest in that is that the first person, yes, I said person, to recognize Jesus was an unborn baby, an infant in the womb. I'll go over to Luke chapter 2 and continue to read. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was his engaged wife and was pregnant. Now, contrary to our popular way that we often see the Christmas story in books and in children's books. They have Joseph and Mary arriving uh, Christmas Eve in great haste on a donkey. They're weary, they're worn out, and they're knocking on every door looking for a place to, uh, to lodge. And finally, finally, uh, some heartless innkeeper says, fine, you can be in the barn. <laughs> but that's not how the actual facts of the story are at all. Okay, that's all people's imagination. It says here in verse 6 of chapter 2 in Luke where I'm reading, it says, while they were there. So they'd been there already. They didn't arrive that night. They've been there. Joseph isn't foolish enough to take a pregnant, nine-month pregnant woman on a donkey ride. All right, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the inn. Now this word inn means guest chamber. There was no room for them at the guest chamber. Um, many places had guest chambers where they would come in and in the Middle East they still have that. Well, when you think that there's a registration going on, there's probably a lot of family in town. I'm sure he had family in town. And the guest room's full. So they're going to sleep in the barn because they're full. A lot of times the barn was on the lower level of the house, so it was all one structure, but the upper floor was the family and the lower level was where they kept the animals. We don't know exactly how this was, but when it says inn, it doesn't mean motel. In the same region, shepherds were... Why do I bother telling you all these facts about it? Because it's important that we know truth. And, and a lot of us have been lied to about the Christmas story all our lives and only later discovered oh, that wasn't in there at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just telling you the truth. 
the good news. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior, who is the Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth, goodwill to men. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So apparently there was other people that heard about it as well. It wasn't just Joseph and Mary. But Mary treasured up all these words in her heart and meditated on them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. In most nativity scenes, you will see some wise men and camels there. And so people automatically think that the wise men were at the manger scene. Um, they were not, and we're going to cover that, but we're still going to read about that because it is something in gift giving that we associate with at Christmas time. And so we want to look at what was happening here as well. So now I'm going to read to you out of Matthew chapter 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east. Now it says men, so that's plural, so it has to be more than one man. We don't know how many there was. There could have only been two. There may have been 300. We don't know. There was three different types of gifts named. And so people like to say, oh, well, there was three wise men. No, that's just your imagination. We don't know how many there were. But we know it was more than one. They were wise men from the east, arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And then they quote what was written by the prophet and it's in Micah. It says, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. Everyone say exact time. So there was a precise moment in time where that star appeared. And so later, this will come back into play, the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, 
the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. And you just imagine they've spent months and months traveling to get here. And the star they saw at one time was no longer there. And then once they set out for Bethlehem, there it is again. And it leads them and it stops at the right place. And I bet they were just so stoked. Well, it says they were. Verse 11, entering the house. So they're no longer in the, at the manger. They're in, the, in, a, in a house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother. Now, this word child means more like toddler, small child, not infant. It's not the word infant. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. So when, when the exact time that the star appear, appeared to the wise men, he does the math backwards and goes, okay, that child should be about two years old. So, so go out and kill all children two years old, all male children two years old and younger. So Jesus must have been around two years old at this point, not a little infant in the manger anymore. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And this is what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. He said, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they were no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who sought the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. And so here we see a short glimpse into the life of Jesus as a baby and as a child. And while we think of Christmas with warm fuzzies and, and love being expressed and joy and, and all of these things, well, about at Jesus' two-year-old birthday, they're fleeing for his life, right? So even tonight, you and I have much to be grateful for. We're not out running for our lives. Some people are around the world. Some people are captives, slaves, all kinds of things. But here you and I sit in a land that is free still, mostly. And um, we have blessings all around us, don't we? Okay, let um, we're going to take communion together here. And um, you just take your, the uh, bread and the cup, and we're going to pray over it. And I'm going to read to you very quickly out of uh, 1 Corinthians 11, what Paul, what 
Paul is quoting Jesus. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread and let's, let's, uh, let's bless it. Father, we thank you so much for the body that you gave for our healing, for our life. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to take our sins upon yourself and paying the price and all the things that were necessary for us to come into right standing with God, for us to be considered His children. We bless you for it and we take this bread and any healing that is needed in our body, we just lay hold of it right now in Jesus' name and amen. Okay, and now let's uh, look at what he says next. In the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. New covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, in order for you to be born again, There's two things that you must do. One is you have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ has been raised up from the dead, that he's no longer dead, that that's true. There's an alive Jesus in the world, or not in the world, but he's at the right hand of God right now, right? And the other thing you have to believe is, I mean, you have to say it. You have to confess Jesus as my Lord. Jesus is my Lord and yield your life to him in service to him. So if you have not done that, as you take this cup is a perfect opportunity for you to say, I believe Jesus has been raised from the dead, that this blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness and gives me relationship with him. Jesus is my Lord. All right, so let's just say that together. Say, let's pray. First, Father, thank you so much once again for what you have done for us. And that you gave your only son to to gain many sons. Sons and daughters, Lord. And thank you, Jesus, for giving your very life's blood for us. That in your blood we have covenant that lasts forever and ever and will never pass away. And we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Now say, I believe Jesus has been raised from the dead. And that his blood cleanses me from all sin. Jesus, be my Lord. I yield to you. I will serve you. Okay, take the cup. Thank you, Lord. Isn't He a good God? You can pass the... uh, little cups into the center aisle and then they'll come along and pick those up so here in just a moment we're going to have all the children um, 10 years old and younger invite you up and we'll just sit you here on the front I'm going to read a book to you that's going to be up on the overhead projection and um, there's going to be a small gift for you at the end of that so that is to entice the children even more right so they can come. How many of you like stories? 
I bet even some of us parents could raise our hands. We like stories too. I'm going to read a story to you that is about a king. And you can look up here at the screen behind me and all the pictures in the book that I'm reading will be up there, okay? This book is called The Christmas Promise. Have you ever made a promise? Has anyone ever made a promise to you? Yeah? See, promises are supposed to be kept, aren't they? It means that when you promise something, it will happen. Well, a long, long time ago, so long that it's hard to imagine, God promised a new king. He wasn't any ordinary king like the ones we see on TV or in books. He would be different. He would be a new king, a rescuing king, a forever king. Shall we say that together? Let's say new king. king. Let's say rescuing king. king. How about forever forever king? So that's the promise. And did you know what? One precious night, God kept his Christmas promise. Would you like to know how he did it? The Christmas story starts with an angel. Whoosh! He came from God to see Mary. The angel had a special message. Mary, you're going to have a baby. He will be a special baby. God promises that your baby is going to be king. Not for a little time, but forever and ever. He will be the forever king. Mary was going to marry Joseph. So God sent another angel. Whoosh! He came to see Joseph and the angel had a special message. Mary is going to have a very special baby. The angel said to Joseph, Her baby is going to be king and will rescue his people. He will be a rescuing king. God had promised that his new king would be born in a little city called Bethlehem. That's where Mary and Joseph went. But Bethlehem was very busy with lots and lots and lots of people. So when the baby was born, he had to sleep in a manger instead of a bed. A manger is a trough to feed animals in. All of the other mangers in Bethlehem held food for hungry animals to munch, but this manger held a tiny baby. He was God's special new king. The shepherds in the fields had such a surprise. It was quiet and dark and the sheep were snoozing when whoosh! An angel popped into the sky. Now the sky was bright and the shepherds were so, so scared. But the angel had a special message for them. Don't be afraid. I have wonderful good news for you, the angel said. God's chosen king has been born tonight. He is going to rescue his people just as God promised. He will be the rescuing king. Then lots and lots of other excited angels joined in to celebrate. The shepherds were really excited. They went rushing to see the new king. And there he was, lying in a manger, just as the angel had said. 
Did you know they weren't the only ones who had heard the good news about the promised new king? Some wise men living far, far away had also been sent a message. It was quiet and dark and they were watching the stars when, whoosh, a new star popped into the sky. The star had a special message and the wise men knew what it meant. A very special king had been born, the king for all God's people. This child was the promised new king. The wise men were so excited, they went on a long journey to see the new king. And there he was, just as the star had shown. See, they're giving him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Everything God promised came true. There are lots and lots of different kings in the world, but God sent the greatest king of all. He sent a new king, a rescuing king, a forever king. And do you know what the new king's name is? How many of you? Raise your hand if you think you know the new king's name. Shall we all say it together? His name is Jesus. But you know, Jesus didn't stay a baby, did he? He grew up. He took our sins on himself, was crucified, and God raised him up from the dead so that he can come and live in our hearts today. Is that good news? All right, wonderful. Jesus is our King. So that's the end of the book, but it's not the end of the story because the story is still going today. Did you know that? The story of what Jesus is doing in the earth through people like you and I in our hearts is still a story that is being written. That's awesome. All right, as you go back to your, to your parents, Miss Debbie, you can come, is going to give you a coin. So be sure, be sure to get one from Miss Debbie before you sit down. You may go. So why did Christ come? Why did he come as a baby? Why was all of that necessary? You know, there was a great gulf between God the Father and humanity. And a great gulf that could only be bridged by Jesus. And he came and he became that bridge for us and transferred us from darkness into light. And here's a few things that Jesus said about why he came, what his purpose was. He said, I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. He also said, I have come, we're answering the question, why did Jesus come? He said, I have come as a light into the world. So that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And then later when Pilate asked him, are you a king? 
Jesus' response was this. He said, you say that I'm a king. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus is saying, I was born for this. Another time, um, Jesus found in the, in the scroll of Isaiah, and he read to the, they were having church, synagogue, and he read to them out of Isaiah. This is what he said. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Remember, we're answering the question, why did Jesus come? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Later He said to the disciples, He said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 say this, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of the devil, or power of death, that is, the devil. So why did Jesus come? To destroy the power of death and the devil. And free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Have any of you ever been enslaved by fear? I mean, I have. And I was delivered from it. That's why He came to do that. 1 John 3.8 says, The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. So if there is any of the devil's works in your life, whether that be some sort of vice or addiction or if there is some sort of, of bondage in your life or maybe it's some demonic attack in your life, a spiritual thing that's coming against you. Maybe it's something else. Some, maybe it's relationships that are so broken. Or maybe it's a mountain of debt that you got yourself into but now you're facing this thing. All of these things are works of the devil to enslave and to harm and to bring damage, death, and to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. How about sickness? Maybe there's a sickness in your body that's oppressing you. Well, the good news is the Son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy all of those works that we were just talking about, to destroy the works of the devil. So why did Christ come? Here in just a moment, I'm going to ask... Um, those of you that would like to, we're gonna, it's, it's going to be open mic, to come up and uh, you can just line up over here or sit on the front and take turns. That way we know um, about how many are, are, there is going to be. To share testimony of God's goodness, what He's done that's been good to you. And there's a scripture in Colossians that I always think of at every Christmas. And it's in... As Paul was writing to the Colossian church, he, made, he was talking about the good news of the gospel. And then he said this to them. He said, I have become its minister. He's talking about the gospel. According to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known to those among the Gentiles, that'd be us. Right? If, if you weren't born a Jew in bloodline, that means you're a Gentile. So God wanted to make known to you and I the glorious wealth of this mystery, 
And what is the mystery? It is Christ in you. That is the mystery of the gospel. That the Son of God, Jesus Christ, could abide and live within this physical structure and body. That's a miracle of miracles. And it is a mystery and it is a secret that the devil couldn't figure out until it was too late for him to do anything about it. And he'd already been conquered. So, I'll read again. The mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This word hope, it doesn't mean hope like we read it in our English language today. We use it as wishfulness or we would like something to happen. We hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. We hope it snows tomorrow, that kind of thing. But that's not the way this word hope, this word hope in the original language, it means a confident expectation, a confident anticipation. Like you're not just wishing it would happen, you're sure of it. And it says here, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you're confidently expecting glory. Not glory like in heaven in some faraway time and place after you die. No, now, in this life, glory. Because every time that we operate and speak and move on the behalf of Jesus, as we carry out the Great Commission, it brings glory to Him. I'll read another scripture to you because your testimony will glorify Jesus. If you would like to uh, share about a testimony of something God has done for you that's blessed you this year, maybe it's been in years past, just come up and start sitting up here so that I know that we have somebody. Hebrews 10, 12 and 13 say this. But this man is talking about Jesus. Check this out. He says, This man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting. Everyone say waiting. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. He's waiting on something until his enemies are made his footstool. Did you know that? Well, let me ask this. Who is going to do that? Who's going to put his enemies under his feet? We are, that's right, you and I. Every time we use the name of Jesus, when we come up against one of those problems, one of those works of the devil that he's already destroyed, when we take those things and we take authority over them in the name of Jesus, that is putting them under the feet of Jesus as his footstool, and that glorifies the Master. Brings him glory when we tell of his goodness. Brings him glory when we walk in his goodness, when we show forth his goodness. You know, God likes to share His glory with you. We have many scriptures that talk about Him sharing and giving glory to His children, to His church. And our job is to glorify Him, and then because He's just so good, He shares it with us. And we get to stand in it as well. Here's a scripture to go go with that. It says, on the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery A wisdom God predestinated before the ages for our glory. He had good things in mind for us. Do you have the... uh... So tell us about the good things that the Lord has done for you. Let's start with you. God rules. I like that. Well, the front of my shirt says God rules, but when I turn around it says, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, where to begin? Praise the Lord. This time a year ago, I got a hold of some truths that 
started some important chapters in my life. Got me started on thinking on some things, and I realized I wasn't going nowhere, and I wasn't going nowhere fast. Got a hold of some things and truths, and back in 2019, God says, 2020 is going to be the best year of your life. Some people might take offense of that, of considering all the things that have happened, but go ahead, sit there, be offended. I don't care. <laughs> but um, just lots of the mindsets God has planted in me and things to strive for has just really been a blessing, but... Today I was thinking, what two things, what, what do I want to share? And um, two things I'll quickly share. And one time, uh, this uh, kind of it was kind of really in the spring and summer. My cousin John, he's like, "Hey, you want to help us make a YouTube video? Like we're doing this YouTube video up in the mountains at our cabin and stuff." I'm like, "Sure, I'll, I'll go and do it. You know, I'll bless him." It was for a day, and I went up and I did it with him. I had a lot of fun. And on the journey back, I realized my wallet was missing. I looked at the car, I looked at the cabin, we couldn't find it. It was like, oh, we got to get going, we got to get back. Four hours driving, I'm thinking, where's my wallet? My dad's like, well, you should consider canceling your credit cards, your debit card, all that kind of stuff, just in case, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, yeah, I better do that. But I had to double check on the inside. I had peace. Don't, don't bother, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Okay. And we happened to be listening to George Pearson, uh, Pastor George, on the way back, and he was talking about how to stay in your happy place, he called it, you know, not letting stress get a hold of you. So I was like, all right, you know, Lord, I just declare, you know, angels, you protect my wallet, you bring it back to me, this and that. And so got home the next day, went to work, felt kind of weird because my pants felt lopsided because there wasn't a wallet in the one pocket. <laughs> and then Monday, Tuesday, after a while, fear starts creeping in and doubt starts pecking at you. And after a while, you know, I was like, okay, Lord, what's going on? And I just Calmly, in my spirit, just, it's in the mail. Okay, it's in the mail. All right. Wednesday rolls along. Two, Thursday rolls around. Nothing's happening. And I get home from work. I'm sitting there. I'm texting uh, uh, Tiffany. Uh, this was before we even started dating. I'm texting her. And I was about to take a nap when Josh comes walking down the room, and he hands me a package. It's from New Jersey. I'm like, New Jersey? Now, this wallet was a really nice wallet. I really liked it. I, I got it at GameStop because it had Spyro on it, and I like Spyro, Spyro the Dragon. I was like, this is a really cool wallet. So, you know, it had some sentimental value to it. Hands me the package. New Jersey, what's going on? I tear it open, and lo and behold, there it is. There was a note. We found it along the trail. They went back to New Jersey, and they mailed it back to me. Awesome. Thank I was so excited. Lord. I went upstairs. I was like, I'm, wow. I'm waving my wallet on. A quarter comes flying out and slides across the floor and nearly took out the dog, you know. <laughs> ping, 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 you know? <laughs> Just to, like, praise God about that. And so he brought my wallet back. Completely fine. And now if I wanted to, I could have got all stressed out and canceled my credit card, canceled my debit card, and went through all that whole hassle, and then here it always shows up in the mail. Way to go, Albert Einstein. So that beautiful peace, yeah. and then my other testimony, um, the Lord brought some, a, a special friend to my life, you know, someone I'm have, enjoying being friends with and growing toward, you know, other things and just having a lot of fun with, but uh, it was quite a testimony on how we actually met. It was actually because of this whole COVID thing we met. I usually run my dog Shiloh. I run him two miles every day. I run him back and forth, and I stop by Heather and Shannon to say hi, because Shannon's my friend, you know, and this and that. And he used the beamer, and I was talking to him. And uh, one day, 
uh, Shannon asked me, hey, could you come down and help us pick up a horse? There's a horse that needs help getting stand up. So I went out and I helped her get stand up. And there was somebody there that was helping get the horse up. And we talked and we laughed and left and completely forgot all about him. One day I'm running Shiloh and I stopped by and the same person's there and never really recognized him. You know, didn't think about it. Oh, we got laughing and talking and stuff like that. And after a couple months, you know, people noticed something was going on. I had no idea nothing was going on. <laughs> I was completely clueless. They're like, yeah, your half an hour stays down there turned into three hours. Now here's, now here's kind of the spiritual side. You know, the Lord said, you know, I, I got scriptures out about finding a wife, all that kind of stuff, and I had this period of confessing it. Every day I got in the car, I put them on flashcards, and I would, just, and I would put my name into that scripture. I would put my name in that scripture. About midway through summer, the Lord says, all right, be content being single. Mm, okay. Okay. And I knew I got to that point because one day I was driving home from work and I thought, praise God, I'm single. I can go home and do whatever I want. <laughs> this is awesome. This is great. I'm single. This is the greatest thing. And after a while, this other person comes around. I'm just thinking, what's happening? And after a while, I started thinking, like, Lord, what do I do? Because I want to be single right now, actually. What's going on? I just, and I prayed about it. There's this, like, this check of calmness inside about it. To finally, I started poking around at Heather. She's like, do you know anything about, you know, anything about her dating life? What do you know? Oh, we don't know nothing. She doesn't talk about that. Okay, fine. That doesn't help me. Um, to finally, we got to talk, and we just started talking. We couldn't stop talking to each other. We just had fun going back and forth. And... After a while, I asked her, you know, hey, they're just kind of in a roundabout way. I just said, hey, um, there's a possibility there might be an interest there that might lead to something more than friendship, possibly. It caught her completely out of left field, and she had no idea she was playing baseball. She was as clueless as I was. To finally, she, you know, after various things, you know, I got to meet her family, and fun fact... Her family didn't know I existed until an hour before I got there for supper. <laughs> because here's the thing with, you know, she didn't like to date. She didn't want to date. And then I come around and people are like, how did you do it? How did you cross in? They're like, I don't know. It's actually put me at the grace of God even more because like, I have no idea how I got here. And God, I need your help even more now because, <laughs> but like, yeah, just God's been good. He said, this is going to be the best year of your life. And it has been amazing. And just like what Kurt Owen said, he said the first day of our marriage was the worst because it's just been getting better and better. I'm looking forward to 2021. I don't care what other people think, but it can only get better from here. Why? Amen. Because God rules, duh. Amen. <laughs> Sandy. Okay, I can't tell a story like that. <laughs> uh, some of you, this is, um, some of you know about my grandson this year, but most of you probably don't. Uh, he was not in a good place. He was hanging around with friends he shouldn't have been doing things they shouldn't have been. And there was one night when he and these friends were talking to somebody online, and they were arguing, and they decided they were going to meet and fight it out. So my grandson and the friends got in the car. When they get out, they did not notice that the dad was there holding an AR-15. And um, it didn't take long before they were 
having fisticuffs, but um, he handed his gun to his son to hold while so he could beat somebody up. And this gun, the, he started shooting. I guess his adrenaline took over, and he started shooting and shot a couple of the kids. And my grandson got hit, and the bullet in his skull. We didn't know for like 20, 12 hours. This was in the middle of COVID, so we couldn't even go in the hospital to find out what condition he was in. But um, the daughter later, my daughter later, could get in, and he found out he was shot in, in the bullets in his skull. He was, he was dismissed from the hospital that day with, there's no damage in his brain. There's not, you can't even tell that he was shot. And um, you just can't tell. He didn't have pain or anything, he, you know, minor things from a point. But um, the story doesn't end there because God told me, he said, what spared his life was your prayers. And so... I told him that because I thought he needed to know that, that it was God that spared his life. And I know his heart is tender, and I know this is not the end of the story, and I know he knows that. He just doesn't know how to get there yet quite. He struggled most of his life with various issues. But the good news at this point is he tried three times to get his driver's license and could not get it. Now he has a driver's license. He's tried multiple times to get a job. He's been having a job and working seven days a week and sometimes double shifts. He, he just can't get enough of it. He's like totally different person. He's, um, he never used to come and visit at all. Now he comes like once a week and comes and visit us. You can tell that he's, he's got some self-worth. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's got some self-worth. So I know that this isn't the end of the story and that he is, God's told me, the family is my, is his, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But this is a great, great first step in that process. So. Thank you. That's wonderful news. Um, just want to say every day is a blessing. Um, prayers definitely do work because I had lots of them going up for me. And it's just wonderful to be here. And this is the best church. I just love this place. Pastor Sid and his family and everybody is just so warm and welcoming. And I just am so grateful and blessed to be a part of this church. And when I was sick, it was just all those prayers and all the people that just prayed. And I mean, I just feel so blessed. I'm blessed to have a wonderful family, a wonderful church family. And I'm so blessed to be here and have life. Have life in Christ, you know, to just try and embrace every day and and just realize how every day is a blessing every single day. Yes. So I wanted to share. Yep. Thank you. And if you know her backstory this summer, you understand the gratefulness and where that comes from. Deliverance from death's doors, what that was. Hallelujah. All right, John, I think we're ready for you. Now, at the, uh, when we dismiss, we have an offering basket at the door. And um, you can, if you have an offering that you would like to uh, give to the Lord, there's where you can do it. And we're not going to pass a basket tonight. And then also in the back, we're going to have um, 
uh, some small gifts for you. So anyone 11 years old and older, we have a gift, um, uh, some coffee cups for you. And then anyone um, that wants one, we also have an orange for you back there. Pastor Sid and Jen, would you come up here, please? John 12, 21 said that there was men that came to the disciples and they, what they said was, I want to see Jesus. That was their heart's desire. I think all of us who are in this church tonight can say the greatest gift that you are to all of us is that we can see Jesus in you. Can't we? This year has been a difficult year. And I think we have all seen Pastor Jen and Pastor Sid stand up in integrity, in faith, in faithfulness to the word, and push that envelope. And while they pushed it, we just followed. We just came along in that beautiful current behind you and decided if you were going to pioneer this faith walk, we're going with you. And we all did. We all stood our ground against the spirit of fear. We all stood our ground and our faith was made stronger. You helped my faith get stronger. Their faith made all of our faith get stronger. And we grew up together as a body in unity and in faith. Where a lot of churches fell apart and just crumbled, ours grew. And God honored the Jesus in both of you. And that is what we have all seen. So words really are not enough really from our hearts to show you, to tell you the gratitude of seeing the integrity, your faith walk, your believability in the real truth of God's word. And that helped all of us. So your leadership, both of yours, has been such a gift to all of us this year. And really there aren't words to describe that. But this is a small token of our appreciation of letting you know how grateful we are for your walk of Jesus transparent in front of all of us we're really grateful amen let's just stand up and give them a hand of thank you of gratitude and honoring the Lord the gift of Jesus that they are to all of us amen So make sure you hug on them as they leave too, as everybody goes out. Let them know. Give them that that hug and that love and tell them how much you appreciate them. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. And what she said, she said something that I want to just touch on. You know, the growth that was happening in us individually and as as a group this this spring, summer. You could see it from week to week, the strengthening and the growing and the, so just God bless you all. It takes all of us together, right?
All right, John. Oh, yeah. Debbie is motioning. It's time to crack your glow sticks. Oh. <laughs> Tell you what, you can go far and wide and not find a glow stick service anywhere else, but here at CWI. <laughs> Have a Merry Christmas and remember what it's all about.